Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List, your favorite podcasting host, bringing you another episode of your favorite podcast, The Primary Care Pod. Uh, hit me up at primarycareprod.gmail.com for any questions, concerns, feedbacks, uh, topics you want me to hit up uh, and, and to do, or if you want to sponsor the podcast, I'll take some free money, absolutely. Okay, so today we're going to hit up another joke that somebody sent me at theprimarycarepod.gmail.com. Again, anonymous uh, uh, listener. Uh, hey, Dr. List, I got a joke for you today. Uh, great, great. Um, this is a story about a Roman Catholic priest is on his way to Rome when he runs into an old friend. Priest says, oh my goodness, Mary, how have you been? She says, well, things could be better. My husband and I have been trying to have children for 15 years, but we are barren. Priest says, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, look, I'm on, my I'm on a pilgrimage to Rome. I promised to light a candle for you in the great cathedral to try to, uh, to see if God will answer your prayers. Woman thanks him, and after chatting a while longer, they part ways. Five years later, the priest is eating dinner when there's a knock at his door. He opens it, and it's his friend. The woman says, I'm so glad I found you. Remember the candle you lit for me years ago? Well, my husband and I now have two sets of twins and a set of triplets. And I just found out I'm pregnant with quadruplets. She then hands the priest an all-expenses-paid ticket to Rome. Oh, that's wonderful, says the priest. No, 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 your joy is my joy. You don't need to get me a thank you gift. Oh no, says the woman. It's not a thank you. It's so you can go blow out that candle. All right. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the joke, anonymous listener. Uh, again, you can hit me up at primarycarepod.gmail.com uh, and we will start the episode. Primary Care Podcast is written and by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients. You should not be using medical advice. This is also a personal podcast. Produced my own time, solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views, policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, a Dr. Mark List, uh, bringing at you uh, another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. Now, uh, today's episode, we are going to dive into a very, very, very hot topic. Um, I've been struggling to figure out what topic to do this week, and then one fell in my lap, thanks to a study out of Denmark, and it is the Denmark Mask Study. Okay? Now, why are we talking about this? Uh, well, masks are a pretty controversial issue with some patients. Now, obviously, a lot of you who have followed most of the research in the pandemic have, have also been following along with the fact that there have been many, many, many studies, both uh, cross-sectional, uh, that have shown some benefit to masks. Right? Are they 100% are they perfect? Absolutely not. Are they going to prevent every infection? Absolutely not. Are they probably more likely to be helpful for people who are the source of an infection, keeping it away from other people, then protecting the person wearing the mask itself? Sure, absolutely. I think that the important thing to note is, uh, you know, a lot of our partners who aren't as up to date and don't read a lot of the, you know, last studies done during the pandemic, uh, still rely on the data from influenza seasons, which show that masks are really not that helpful uh, during the influenza pandemic. But obviously, COVID, a lot of different story, uh, a lot higher infectious rate, a lot higher uh, rates of community spread, a lot more cases, a lot more naive patients. And so when we talk about this Denmark study, uh, which we'll get into, I think it's important to always kind of acknowledge the fact that no one has ever, 
ever and then and then will ever and I've uh, and I've been one of the people too uh, to say that masks are not perfect. Uh, they they are not the end all be all cure all to get us out of this pandemic. Uh, that is the vaccine coming soon. Um, that I think will absolutely be the way to get out of this pandemic and get back to normal, which thankfully is coming very, very soon with uh, Pfizer and Moderna releasing uh, data in the last two weeks here. So before we look at the study, I think it's important that when patients bring it up or people ask your opinion, uh, mass clearly based on a whole lot of studies, I believe right now the running count is 45 done during this pandemic. Uh, again, not all of them are good high quality. Some of them are quite low quality, but clearly masks are beneficial at containing the spread of cases, at lowering the R value to uh, decrease the amount of community spread in your area. And again, I think it's important to realize that if you already have in your local community an R value under one, you're going to be seeing declining cases. Uh, you're going to be uh, less likely to have a mass outbreak or to, to see a rise in cases or surging cases. And masks help to lower that R value. Is it the only tool? No, absolutely not. Um, and, you know, those tools range from widespread, you know, shutting down everyone, making them stay at home versus just shutting down gyms and restaurants and bars. Um, the, the, you know, some of the big high risk areas without without limiting any of the other economics, without limiting anything else in terms of, you know, overall lockdowns or, you know, decreasing people's quality of life or limiting their ability to work or travel and move, et cetera. And so those large-scale gatherings, public events, uh, those things seem to be the biggest gain. The other big, big, big gain at reducing the R value and lowering community transmission seems to be shutting down schools. Now, I think it's important to know that when schools, uh, you know, when, when community rates are low, school transmission is pretty negligible and it doesn't make a, a hill of beans worth of difference uh, if your community uh, cases are low, whether or not they're school in session. But when you're in the midst of a massive widespread surge and outbreak, studies have shown that decreasing the amount of, you know, in-person school has been helpful. That being said, that's like the worst thing that you can do because we know how valuable in-person school is for many, many, many kids. Uh, and again, there's, there's a wide range of of implementations and public health steps that you can do to lower that R value. Masks are one of them, and they're not the most effective. They're not the, again, the hammer that come down to put the nail in the coffin to to shut down an infection, uh, to shut down a, a local community spread, but it certainly is very likely to be one of the tools, okay? So that being said, a Danish study came out, was released today, and showed that, let me pull it up here, I'm a really prepared podcasting host. Okay, okay, okay. So important to note that um, a study, as I pull up here, says, you know, uh, in Denmark, this Danish uh, health authority, uh, public health and other social measures to reduce the limit of uh, COVID-19, but uh, masks were not recommended at the time. And so this study, which again was done in the spring of earlier this year, had an intervention group where they were given 50 disposable surgical masks and instructed to wear the masks while outside their home for a month, okay? The other group was control, just watch them go about their day-to-day -day business, okay? The primary outcome was infection with SARS-CoV-2, and how they tested was a combination of the antibody testing, IgM or IgG, at one month, positive PCR at one month, and symptoms compatible with COVID-19 or diagnosis of COVID-19 by a healthcare practitioner, okay? 
So uh, anybody with a positive uh, antibody result on baseline was excluded from the study. So in the mask group, an infection occurred in 42 out of the 2,400 patients. And in the intervention group, or sorry, in the, in the control group, 53 out of a slightly larger number. So 1.8 in the control, or 1.8 in the intervention and 2.1 in the control. So again, very small, uh, didn't hit statistical significance, uh, no major differences. So to, to my, uns, to, to my, again, shocked face, um, people are not looking at the details of the study and taking this study, which is n not a great study. It's a big study, but it's not a great study. Again, it's another example of low quality study. Um, and, and are taking this and running with it and saying, master sham. It's a mind control device. Uh, all the experts are wrong. Don't listen to doctors. Don't listen to experts. Nobody knows what they're talking about. All the other 40 studies that were done that showed that there was some statistical benefit, they were all wrong. This one is now the gold standard. Uh, again, very important to remember what the, what we're talking about. Okay, Masks help when there is a large-scale outbreak, when we are in the middle of a local surge, okay? Are they 100% effective? No. The idea is that they help be the source control, so if somebody is infected, they are less likely to spread respiratory droplets and decrease the amount of virus that the person is shedding, therefore reducing the infections. That was not looked at in this study. This just merely said, are these surgical masks helpful? Number two, during the time that this study was taking place, in May, for example, which is when the study was taking place in Denmark, the incidence of COVID-19 was very low compared to like the United States and the United Kingdom and some of the other hotspots around the globe at the time. So there, there, was, there was COVID there, wasn't as, uh, as much of a hotspot. Now, those of you who listen to the podcast and have been longtime listeners, thank you so much, guys. Um, you know back, we talked about why... Antibody tests, when antibody tests are good, when they're bad, and when they're really, really brutal, and when you should be using them. And one of the things we talked about was how many false positives you are going to get using antibody testing when your incidence and your prevalence in the community is low, right? We, we talked about this. We did the math. We showed how the antibody test, the, the, the serum antibody test, is a really garbage study compared to the PCR when your prevalence is low. And then once everyone's had it, once you're at herd immunity, once you're at the vaccine, once everyone is protected, then that antibody test becomes really good. And then it becomes really good because then you get a higher pretest probability. And we, we worked out the math and we showed why it was a good test later on and really bad early on. And this is a great example of bad science. Okay, um, because we talked about how your chances, especially when the instance is low, when the prevalence is low in the community, your false positive rates, you know, it's like a coin flip, right? If not worse, we talked about that, right? That you're going to get a positive test versus a negative test, okay? 84% of the people diagnosed with COVID-19 in this study, in the placebo group, the control group, and in the mass group, okay? 84% of all the diagnoses were made using antibody testing. So 80 of those 95 positive tests we're done with antibody testing. So right there, right there, you can tell that this study 
is almost meaningless because almost all their positives were used with antibody studies, which we said at low prevalence has incredibly high false positive rates. I mean, that is a serious, serious concern. Okay. And, 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 you know, the actual PCR diagnosis, which is what the gold standard is across the globe for diagnosing respite for diagnosing COVID. There were five in the control group and zero in the mask group. Zero. Zero positive PCRs during the study in the mask group. Okay? So, again, people are going to read this at face value and say, oh, 1.8% to 2.1%, not significant. Masks don't work. Ah, the Danish study proved it. And they're using really crappy tests. Again, low incidence, low prevalence, high, high, high rates of false positivity. Okay. Now, again, it's just it's just mind-boggling how this made Annals of Internal Medicine because I love Annals of Internal Medicine. They're great, and I, again, I love controversial articles. You know, we talk about controversial articles all the time, and so again, I think this is a great example of let's dig this apart and see why this study is really garbage. We do we do that in this podcast with everything. Okay, so um, again, I think that that's important to note. Number two, number two. Not only was the testing garbage in terms of probably most of these, probably half, if not higher, are likely to be false positives or could be false positives, okay? Now, in the mask group, adherence to the intervention, aka wearing a mask outside of your home, was only done by 46% of those in the mask group. Okay, so 64% of people admitted that they did not adhere to their mask recommendation. Okay, so do you see why I have issues with this study? Okay, so the mask group, the ones who are supposed to be the control, if 46% of people are not wearing the mask, are they really the mask group? Or are they now in the control group that sometimes were in in the treatment group? Right. So, I mean, you basically have incredible crossover in the arms, which, again, makes it really, really, really hard to take this study seriously. With a great. But again, I think it's important to note that this we talk about. We talked about this when we talked about the medications for covid. We talk about this with other things. This is a negative study. This study shows masks did not help people in low prevalence areas, low incidence areas who intermittently wore their masks. And while the rest of the community did not wear the masks or, or there was no mask mandate in the rest of the community. Okay. So limited numbers of people wearing a mask in an area of low outbreak. And again, only 2% of people who weren't wearing a mask during the course of the study got infected. So clearly their community spread was quite low. Okay. I'm going to now transfer over to a real life scenario. The state of South Dakota, where I live in practice, which Anybody could Google me and find that out. Again, uh, I do not speak for my employer. I am employed by the Anawa Medical Clinic for all intents and purposes, which is an imaginary clinic. Um, they do not uh, condone anything I say on this podcast, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so in the state of South Dakota, when we, for almost the entirety of the pandemic, had 50 cases per day, 50 to 100 cases, in a state of 700,000, sorry, 900,000 people, 
your chance, that, that is very low instance, very low prevalence in the community. Rates were incredibly low. We had a short period of time where we had it uh, pretty bad in the community early on, where we had a high prevalence in our meatpacking plants. Again, we discussed that on a previous podcast. And so the rates were a little bit higher then. But for the majority of the pandemic, there were incredibly low community transmission rates, right? Very, 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 very low across the state. Now, my state is on fire. Our hospitals are bulging at the seams. I have friends working in small towns who have never been busier in their whole lives in the hospital. Um, I I took a volunteer hospital shift, and and I'm going to volunteer for more hospital shifts um, coming up because our hospitals are full. We're opening new ICUs. We're doing a lot of things we've never done before. We're treating patients on oxygen at home and doing home health care for people that for for basically the entirety of medicine would have normally been in the hospital and we are keeping them out of the hospital but for the you know the the amazing work of nurses and doctors and technology okay so again very very important to realize that now we are in an epicenter okay incredibly incredibly high rates uh we were at like 50 cases per day and during the middle of the summer we're now in the thousands at thousand plus usually almost most days uh cases per day at this at this current time i'm just recording this podcast masks would not have made any difference during the summertime when rates were really low this study and other studies really show that maybe i shouldn't say shouldn't make any difference probably made just would made just a a fraction of a difference makes a big difference in long-term care settings nursing home settings at-risk patients uh in healthcare settings i think it makes a ton of sense but when the rates were really really low it probably wouldn't make that much of a difference but as rates start climbing and patients started going indoors and people started congregating more and schools were in session then mask mandates as the community spread goes up slowly as we went back to school, as outdoor activities stopped and more indoor activities started, as rates went up, masks would have been a, again, a factor, probably a small factor, but at reducing that R value, lowering the rate of reproduction and preventing or helping to prevent that upward exponential trend. Okay. And now that we are in the midst of this, it is actually probably a little too late for the mask mandate to really make a huge difference, but it likely will make a very small impact. Again, it's one of the tools that all epidemiologists recommend. It is not the end-all be-all. It is not the only thing that will save us. It is not going to save patients. It'll save some, but it's not going to save everyone, okay? Um, And so I think knowing what the study actually says, being able to defend other studies that are done a lot better or at least have positive data. And again, one negative trial is actually really good. So we can analyze that and see probably when it's less helpful and to pick apart that data and see what the study probably did wrong for future trials. I think that it's important to know that, again, when you have a large collection of data and the majority of it's pointing positive, you're going to get studies that point negative. You're going to get trials that point negative when the positive effect is marginal. Right. So, you know, if masks were going to prevent every infection, every trial would be positive. If masks were going to do a, a tremendous amount of lowering of the R value, it, we would have had a very, very, very all positive trends. When you have a negative trend like this, when you have a negative study like this, it's important to realize that that means that the effect of masks are it's pointing to positive. You know, the majority of studies are pointing to positive, but it's probably not going to make 
the biggest impact in the world. Biggest impact in the world is probably reducing the number of public events we have, reducing the number of people who are congregating at indoor events and indoor gatherings. Um, wearing a mask is going to be helpful, but again, it's going to help but not be the end-all be-all. And I think it's important that we defend the science when the science shows that things are helpful. And when there are studies that point in the other direction or say that things are not as helpful as we think, I think it's important to analyze those and reassess constantly our thoughts on interventions. So, as has been the case during the entire pandemic, and you've heard me preach it, you've heard other people preach it, there is a big, there is a huge area between the absolutely nothing matters, we shouldn't do anything, this is just the flu, and the entire other pendulum, which is we have to prevent every single infection, we have to shut down the entire world, and everyone has to live in their house until this goes away. Right, And this is another example where an intervention is likely to be helpful, but don't stand on a hill and be a martyr and say, we have to do this or otherwise everything, everything is going to, you know, everyone's going to die and everything bad's going to happen. It's a helpful tool, but it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, some miracle, miraculous cure. To the other extreme, if anybody out there is still a mass doubter, Again, there are many, 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 many studies at this point that show positive correlation between mask wearing and reduction of cases and de-escalating this crisis, decreasing the R value. I cannot, and I'm going to speak to people right now that might be listening, may have been linked this by a friend or a colleague, uh, maybe somebody tweets about it, I, I, I doubt it, I doubt I, I go anything um, viral, it's fine. But if you are listening to this and you think masks still don't work, you either A, are reading outdated literature from previous influenza studies, which, yes, I agree. The studies on mask wearing and influenza, pretty bad. Um, marginal at best. Uh, very, very minimal impact, if any impact. Yep, completely agree. The data was just never there to support it for influenza. Number two, you are being disingenuous with your scientific curiosity. You are only looking at studies that show things that support your political opinion or your personal opinion and not reading the host of other studies that contradict your opinion. It's important that all patients, uh, sorry, not all patients, all providers, all people listening to this podcast understand my position that intellectual curiosity and scientific curiosity means accepting that you are going to be wrong, accepting that your position that you take might need to be modified over time. We talked about this on this podcast. There are things that I've been a huge proponent of that studies come out and studies come out and they show that it's not as big of an impact as we thought or even a negative impact, okay? And again, this is another study where, you know, don't be a zealot for something unless there's a lot of amazing hardcore evidence. And the evidence from asking has been there. It's been positive. There's probably an impact. But again, a negative study like this should make you continually to reassess your opinion on a topic, continue to evaluate it, modify your opinion, and use the new science and evaluate the science, right? Number three, if you are an anti-masker, it's because you're just reading headlines like this headline and not actually digging into the details, or you're scientifically illiterate, which I can understand. Uh, science, scientific articles are not meant for the lay people to read. That's a shame. I think we should get back to, you know, a process where 
we can break this down in a clear and easy way for people to understand and bullet points and yes, dumb it down for the lay public because the lay public is so interested in these articles, we should really be dumbing this down so people can understand and have take-home bullet points at the end because that's what gets posted on social media and that's what people consume. So people consume the fact that that this study didn't have an impact, this study showed that masks didn't help, when in reality, half of the people that were in the mask group actually didn't even wear their mask consistently outside their home. Again, basically making them a control. Number two, the incidence was incredibly, incredibly low, so the risk was low, and only two people, 2% of the people in the mass group, 1.8% in the mass group, 2.1% in the control group even got COVID during the length of the study, which is an incredibly low percentage of patients. And number three, they used a garbage test to diagnose in an area where your false positive rates are going to be crazy, crazy high. And again, look at our, our episode that we did in May. Uh, if you under, want to understand the science of why false positives are incredibly common with the blood antibody tests in low prevalence areas. Okay, so um, hopefully that was a good review. Um, hopefully this gave you some ammunition when patients or colleagues or people pick fights with you on social media about it. Have some quick talking points, bullet points. Um, again, the data overwhelmingly points to masks being helpful. Is it going to completely stem the tide and turn things around completely? Nope. Are masks perfect? Nope. Are they helpful? Yes, probably. Uh, are they the best thing we can do? Probably not even. Uh, but again, a lot of the other things are a lot more aggressive. They have a lot more economic impacts or impacts on our kids or impacts on our community that have a lot more far-reaching effects than putting a flipping piece of cloth on your face. People, stop being selfish. Just do it to help your community and to save lives by lowering your cases, lowering the hospitalization rates so your hospitals start being stop being overwhelmed. And, and, and that's all I have. That's all I have. Please be kind to each other. Love thy neighbor. Love thy community. You don't need to be a zealot on the far right or the far left. You don't have to stand on some hill and say, I'm never wrong and I can't change my opinion. It's okay to be flexible. It's okay to modify your opinion. It's okay to say that things are not the greatest or the worst. It's okay that things are just mediocre at best and yet are helpful. Okay, rant over, science done, bad study, overall negative study, absolutely garbage study. The data on mass still overwhelmingly points to positive, but again, you should consider that they aren't as helpful as, you know, were projected to be in some of the big studies that said 70% reduction in infections. Again, maybe, but probably not. All right. Thanks, guys. I will see you next week. Uh, appreciate any feedback you have for me. Again, primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox, um, and we will see you next week.